Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Well, it's a, a double delight for us this month because we've got Wendy in studio <laughs> with us two weeks in a row. Always lovely to have you with us, Wendy. Welcome. Thanks, Pippa. Lovely to be here. As I mentioned, we're putting the post office under the microscope up first today. We're also going to give you a bit of a follow-up on uh, the complaints that came up last week around the Rocking the Daisies Festival. And then we'll open the lines for your general consumer calls after 1.30. Uh, Wendy, if I had a rand for every complaint we receive about the post office and non-delivery of mail, I'd be springing lunch for the whole building today. <sighs> um being able to re- revamp the post office. Yeah, and a few. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've been explaining. I know they've been saying a lot about backlogs and about the impact of the strike and they're promising they'll catch up, but it's got to the point where, where people just don't believe it anymore. No, and I mean, we, we've, how long ago did we, in the last year, we did a show, we had yeah. someone on talking about, you know, the sorting center and this is happening and they're employing more people and putting extra shifts on. Yeah. But the, nothing seems to change. Yeah. Anyway, let's... So it's got to the point where you have to ask whether they are even capable of delivering stuff, particularly stuff that's been sent from overseas. Exactly. So where we've got to now, um, (laughs) there was a letter that um, Johnny Matthews of Plettenberg Bay wrote to Post Office CEO Mark Barnes in July. And again, he resent it in uh, the following month when he didn't get a response. He'd paid 2,700 Rand for a subscription to a British weekly magazine in February and since then, only one copy has made Oof. it to his local post office. I tried to um, get hold of him the last 24 hours to check whether another one had found its way to him, but I haven't been able to get hold of him. But, you know, it was one copy. Um, and then having confirmed that the issues had indeed been sent from the UK, so it wasn't the problem in the sending, he said to Barnes in that email, I strongly feel that the time has come when you must publicly state through all forms of media that the South African post office is no longer operational and is incapable of fulfilling any kind of service to the South African public. And he demanded a refund of what he'd paid for that subscription. He paid and he got no service thanks to the post thanks office. to the post office. Okay, so 2,700 Rand is a, a very expensive price paid for a single copy of a magazine. Which supposed to get yeah. every week. So imagine yeah. how many he didn't get if he's got one since Feb. Well, I, I mean, I know because a neighbor who subscribes to Time magazine, uh, quite frequently their mail ends up in my post box. Oh, yes. And I got a delivery of about four copies all at once okay. a couple we, of weeks we're ago. We're going to get to why that's so happening. So we'll talk about that yes. too. But of course, Johnny isn't the only listener who's complaining about no. the same thing, is no. he? No, I've had a rash of emails yeah. from others who've invested in subscriptions or study material um, overseas, and they just haven't got them. Or at best, they've got one or two copies. Um, Nella Frond, who manages the Resource Center at Bishop, said the school subscribes to three overseas publications at great expense and has only received one copy of the one subscription in the past six months and none of the other two. She said BBC Music and History Today have both sent replacement copies, which I still haven't received, and Scientific American from the USA has just disappeared altogether. It gets worse. The school placed another order um, for of more than 3,000 rand for teaching materials from the UK, and that has never arrived five months on. Okay, so that's uh, so, okay. If I'm making doing my maths correctly here, three international publications, one copy received of one of them. So that's a one out of eighteen strike rate. Zero for the replacement copies and zero for the additional study materials. There is a slight update that I'm okay. going to get to uh, in, in a moment. In a moment, okay. Yes. But I also have to say they're not alone. We heard from Donna Larue. She'd imported, uh, ordered an important study package from Jersey, and that too didn't arrive. 
Well, it, the, th- the thing is that they arrive in South Africa and then they get held up in Johannesburg at the sorting center. So as she says, um, the study package fell into some kind of black hole at the Joburg sorting depot. Four months later, it hasn't emerged. She's had to get a duplicate copy couriered to her at a cost of 2,700 rand. So when you're talking about subscriptions, Papa, or many other parcels, the courier way would be the way to go. Yeah. You know, it's more reliable. That's but the, the only way around. But the cost is totally yeah. prohibitive. And so people think, well, we have a postal service. They haven't put up a sign <laughs> yet saying we're out of business. Do not subscribe yeah. to overseas publications. Um, and then, you know, they just don't arrive. And here's another one. We, had, yeah. we heard from Carolyn Rubinovitz in Century City. She'd subscribed to Vanity Fair magazine earlier this year. She said she got the May edition just before the royal wedding yes. and nothing since then. And I'm betting she's not the only subscriber who would have wanted the one after the royal well, wedding exactly. with all the royal wedding content. She sees it in the stores at great cost, yeah. um, obviously, but now you've paid for a subscription. So, so you should have had doubly it. doubly frustrating yeah. because somehow they got onto the shelves of, of CNA. Of the CNA, yeah. yeah. And same story for Paul Sims in Hillcrest. His wife's antiques magazine, which comes from the UK, hasn't been delivered for four months. Yeah. Now, Wendy, I mean, it's all we, we could carry on and on listing case studies here all day, but you did manage to get to the post office for a response. What did they say when you raised these issues? Okay, so so here's the response I got. Um, I had to work hard for it, so I was beginning to think the media department had um, fallen apart, but fortunately not. So I'm going to read it out. Um, there is a, a substantial backlog at the International Sorting Center, which was made worse by the strike during July, because they keep getting hit by yet another strike, which pushes them back. This was caused by huge volumes. We are, listen to this, Pippa, we are getting up to four times more items from other countries than we did a year ago, as well as um, inadequate equipment. Uh, sorry. So they're getting up they, to four times more stuff in. So the hit, volume's one problem. And they've got strikes and inadequate equipment. Okay. Okay. So they say, this is the part that affects our listeners. We have now moved all international items that do not need to be assessed for contents or import tax to other sorting centers where the volumes are not so high, such as Witspos, Tswane Mail, and Cape Mail. And apparently all the stuff has now moved down to Cape Mail. And I got an update um, from... Nella at Bishops to mm. say that they have really this morning got a delivery of a of a of a copy. Okay, so, so one one so more. One, one That's more a start. Step. That's my update. Baby steps. Um, the post office goes on to stay to say, ironically, evidence of the fact that this is working. In other words, sending the stuff to the local sorting centres comes in the form of customers who are now letting us know that they are dismayed by finding a delayed item from another country in their postbox. <laughs> <laughs> to, to some extent, naturally, the backlog has now been shifted from the international mail centre to other regional sorting centres. But these mail centres are making good progress with accumulated mail. We are therefore confident that our customers will soon see an improvement in the delivery of items from other countries and this is the bit that listeners might be happy to hear you are welcome to give me the addresses of specific customers and then i'll ask my delivery colleagues to monitor their mail so i did that in nella's case yes. yesterday and i'm not sure if that's what resulted in the delivery this morning of that one copy but, but yeah. um yes um but I have to say it's 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 progress, but I would be very loath to invest in a very expensive subscription to an overseas publication right at now. this point. Mm. Yeah, I would let I would see how that goes. We've got a couple of listeners wanting to weigh in here. We've got Ian on the line from Rondebosch. Ian, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon. Um, I've paid for ICASA licenses in March already, and I'm still waiting for them to be delivered. The problem is if an ICASA inspector walks into where I'm staying, uh, he, I will be arrested on the spot because I've got radio equipment, which I use for my hobby, which I don't even have licenses for. Oh. So Ian, in have, terms of the law, yeah. I'm in contra- contravention. Have you got any kind of proof of the payment that you sent to ECASA? I've, I've got proof of payment, but they won't accept proof of payment. They want to see the physical certificate wow. with the hologram on it. Wow. Oh, wow. So they have all these measures in place, but now... An arm of state is, uh, is... One arm is letting down the other, yes. effectively. Okay, yeah, and that's another ad- addition to the conversation. So it's not just about the inconvenience of not receiving something there that you wanted. There are actual huge ramifications here, Wendy. Yeah, and if, yes, and Ian, if, if, if that does come to pass, please let us be the first people you tell, and we'll certainly wade in on your and behalf. take up your case, absolutely. And it's good that you put it out there now in advance, uh, you know, yeah, predicting the problem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I hope it doesn't come to that. But uh, Ian, thanks for flagging it with us. Uh, yeah, I I mean, my, I've got streams of messages coming in. Jenny's saying, I will never use the post office. My daughter lived in PE, was really struggling after having a baby, so I sent her a copy of the Baby Sense book. She still never no. received it. Uh, Dave's saying, I have bank letters sent from overseas asking me to do something on my account or it'll get frozen, and I have 30 days to respond. The letter arrived after five that. months later. Wow. Yeah. So um, the, they, they're coming into the, into the country. I've had this with, with family in England, and they when they track it, it gets here in very good ta- time, a few days, and then yep. it just sits. Here's another one. Ordered guitar strings from Spain last year. The tracking shows four days to get from Spain to go. South Africa. Exactly. Five months and counting <gasps> in Joburg. That Joe is Berg. the average current situation, Mission. I have to yeah. say. Um, as the post office says now they have a new plan. But every time we raise these issues, there's a new plan, and then... Nothing changes. Nothing really changes. Yeah. Felicity's wondering, is it, uh, is there any differentiation in these complaints between people using street addresses versus post office boxes? It seems to Not be across that the I board. Can pick yeah? up, no, because yeah. Johnny and Plett, his, um, he was picking up his, um, well, supposed to be picking up his this week copies from the post office and no. No. Okay. So it's, it seems to be affecting both. We've got a voice note. Let's take a listen. Papa, starting comment for you. I got a 21st birthday card yesterday for my daughter's 21st, which was in May. It was posted on the 8th of May, and it arrived yesterday, the 25th of September, from England. Thank you very much. A very belated happy 21st birthday to your daughter, but that is... Oh, extraordinary. Uh, here's Trish on the S. This is a far more serious one. Trish saying, I have to receive a three-monthly check from the Isle of Man, which oh. is my pension. My mm. last check due for June has never arrived. I've had to pay a lot for overdrafts, etc. Three months no, of no income. June, that yeah. is shocking. Please send us an email. Trish, if Trish, you would like to, please do so. I'd like um, to prioritize that with the post office. Because that really is serious stuff. Uh, Trish, the email address to use is consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R, nola.co.za. And uh, just put in the um, subject line, Cape Talk post office pension check yes. so we know to keep an eye out for it okay Trish, and we'll see if we can do something i mean somebody asking can we sue the post office wendy what do we well, do it could be a class action if there are any i mean really it with could. an appetite to you take have, it on you, yeah. would, you would have to have you know solid proof of of what you paid and when and and an affidavit or some kind of um statement from the sender that they did in fact send it um as i say i think it was 
Was it Anella's case where they said they, the, the, the publisher actually resent out of the goodness of their the heart, heart and yeah. still, well, she's got this one this morning, but yeah. But so at some point, a whole stack then, of, of backlogged out of I think we're going to get to the point where the publishers are going to start saying South Africa is you know, on the We have no to say list, in all yeah. good conscience, we, it's, you, you may not receive your copies yeah. having paid us. Interesting comment here from Brendan on the WhatsApp saying PostNet have a great service for sending stuff to the UK, cheap courier to Heathrow, and then they will pop it into the Royal Mail for the rest of the journey. That's not the problem, though. The outgoing yeah. is not the, the outgoing problem. The outgoing is fine, Brendan. It's the other way in. But, Brendan, it is an interesting one for people to know about. You might not have known that that service existed, that you can uh, send it's it clever there. that way via PostNet. And, and Brendan's comment is the Royal Mail, I trust 100%. It's a of maximum two-day safe delivery. Um, and uh, So that's fine for outgoing. The Incoming is the big problem. Uh, Carol, uh, sorry, someone's just saying, believe it or not, I received a parcel last week from Canada that was posted in April. That's um, about right. Yeah, that's what we're looking that's at. That's where we're talking here about Five April, May months. stuff arriving now. Yes. And, um, Right, uh, Brian saying birthday cards sent in May two have just arrived. Here's another one. Um, uh, but the delivery of buying goods online locally, I find, is pretty good. That's been my experience uh, relatively as well, Brian. Uh, but but I, I don't know if that even goes that's, through the post office. Do you see that's that's going through a separate? And it's got these these customs and fat. Maybe it's a different stream. Because yeah. and also they get money for that. Don't forget the post office has suddenly recently started introducing their service fee. So for a small parcel, it's twenty five rand, and for a bigger one, double that. So there's yeah. money in them in it, in it for, for them, them. So it's worthwhile. Yeah. Oh. this one, uh, Nina. I'm sorry, really tugs at my heartstrings, and I'm reading it out because I think it's wonderful that this happened at all. She says, "My grandson, age thirteen, who lives in Berlin, sent thank you notes a month ago to family members and friends for gifts that he received. None of the notes has oh, arrived in SA. I think." It's fantastic that a 13-year-old boy so was prepared I. to write them in the first place, Nina. It doesn't happen very often anymore. So well done. Good parenting and shame grandparenting. But what a shame wasted. that they never got there. Okay. Um, I do love this message from Philip. Yeah, Ian in Rondebosch. Philip reckons you don't need to worry too much. He says you can feel secure in the knowledge that Ikasa is just about as dysfunctional <laughs> as the post office. So there's very little risk of arrest in your case. <laughs> I just, Philip, thanks for keeping a sense of humor about it. Yeah. I just want to add something. This reminds me of, do you remember a few months ago we had the whole DSTV yes. magazine thing? So I had an email this week from Barbara Coulson of Kenilworth saying she hasn't received a DSTV. TV magazine in the post since May, but of course this is not affected by the. This is, it's a separate issue because it's a, it's locally sent, and she said she can see other people getting theirs. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've, me taking up these. Um, foreign mail issues with the post office is kind of the same thing as I did with those uh, DSTV magazines all those months ago and I'm still getting them. Just a reminder if you're listening you qualify mm. to get a, mag- a DSTV magazine sent to your home if you're over 55 and you're a premium subscriber. So if you're not, if you want the magazine and you're not getting it, you're you also welcome right to, to email. Yeah. I, I can see myself sending off batch emails to to both, but especially the post office at this Absolutely, stage. yeah. Okay, we'll keep sending them, Wendy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, before we go to the news and the open line segment, we've also got a bit of a follow-up on um, the Rocking the Daisy story that we, we brought up last week. Just before then, sorry, a question on the WhatsApp saying, is the poor service also relating to sending parcels out of South Africa? Just to recap, that seems to be working I don't get, all right. I'm not getting complaints about yeah. that. It's, so it's only the incoming international stuff yes. that really seems to be the issue. For now, as Wendy said, think twice before you take out any kind of international subscription. Andrew just saying on the WhatsApp, wouldn't it be a better option for people to take out subscriptions through their local pick and pay or CNA, etc.? Well, the magazines do end up there. So at this point, you're going to have more luck 
walking into the CNA and buying it month after month yeah, exactly. there it's, it's, than waiting for it to not problem, come in the post. Yeah, the problems at the sorting centre yeah. in, in Joburg. And now apparently it's been um, regionalised, so we'll see how those um, sorting centres manage. You wonder why they didn't do that before? A long time ago. Yeah. 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 Okay, thanks very much for the feedback, everybody. Uh, right, uh, on to Rocking the Daisies. Wendy, let's give everybody an update on that story. Okay, so last week we mentioned that the Rocking the Daisies Festival, which happens this coming weekend, recently announced a total ban on bring your own alcohol, but it was only after they had started selling the tickets. So this obviously had an impact on the cost of attending the event for many who had chosen to buy those tickets before the announcement was made. Um, and they now have no option but to buy at the festival at festival prices, albeit discounted. The organizers have said that they have deliberately kept the markup very low, but mm-hmm. it's still not as low as buying your own. Yeah. Um, this has never been the case. This you must buy your alcohol and all drinks, in fact, at the festival. It's never been the case in the previous 13 years of this event um, where consumers were allowed to bring their own liquids, um, provided they weren't in glass. The one of the main reason um, that the organizer, organizers have given is that it's an environmental thing that um, they're trying to, you know, um, set a new standard, etc. Um, but the point is, the problem is the timing. So a number of of our listeners have tried to return their tickets for a refund, saying that they've changed the the playing field now, mm-hmm. and um, they, I don't want to go. They on don't those want to terms. go. They can't yeah. afford to go on those terms. But they've told, been told that they are not going to be getting any. Refunds and that the only option now is to try and sell their tickets via Ticket Pony. Um, Ticket Pony, I checked before we came did, to I air, has dozens and dozens okay. and dozens. I mean, I gave up after five screens. And okay. I think it was carrying on for so another hundred. So there's no hundred. shortage of these tickets. There is no shortage of tickets there. on sale. Yeah. So we're sitting with um, a twofold complaint that the terms and conditions of the event were changed substantially only after ticket sales had happened. And secondly, that these people now have not been given the option of a refund. Okay, so I know your instinctive response to that, Wendy, was was surely that's not in line with the Consumer Protection Act. No, because there was no full disclosure. People were not making a fully informed, were not able to make a fully informed decision about whether they wanted to spend that, that the that extra entry money, yeah. price or or not, and then having been given full information, decided not to. And those ones, to my reading of the act, and I'm no lawyer, uh, was that they were entitled to to a refund. Okay, well you're no lawyer, but we've got a lawyer on the line yes. who is a specialist in the Consumer Protection Act, and that's Janusz Lutrek of Hahn and Hahn Attorneys. Janusz, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, a very interesting topic. In your opinion, um, uh, is what we've just described uh, um, in line with the conditions of the Consumer Protection Act, specifically the change in the nature of the event only being disclosed after sales had begun, and secondly, the the refusal to, to give people a refund when they asked for it? The short answer is no. And in addition, even if there wasn't a Consumer Protection Act in place, simple contract law mm. says that when I buy something, that the buyer and the seller must have a so-called meeting of the mind. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm buying, and I, and I therefore agree with you, and I buy it. You can't then later say, well, actually, I'm changing what you agreed on. I'm actually going to give you something else, because then there's no longer an agreement in place. So even before the Consent Protection Act came into effect, that would have been the case. Now it's, of course, a lot simpler. You know, uh, uh, what happens is a lot of these places, they have a lot of fine print and terms and conditions on some website somewhere. If you click on a link, and they will probably refer you to somewhere where it says that they can change anything at any time at their sole discretion. Mm-hmm. 
The difficulty that I have with that is the Consumer Protection Act specifically prohibits what they term unfair contract terms. And one of the unfair contract terms specifically mentioned is that it's unfair to provide for any term which allows you to unilaterally change the terms of a contract. So they cannot get away by saying, well, it's in the fine print that we can at any time change the terms because they can't. The Consumer Protection Act would make that term illegal as well. Okay. So, so that's the first thing. And then uh, in terms of, of the people that have now bought the tickets and the terms have changed later, you know, there's an expectation that they had based on the past what was going to be happening at this event, what they would be able to take with them, uh, how the proceedings would go. Mm. If that has changed, then in terms of another section of the Consumer Protection Act, there was an obligation actually on the seller of the ticket to make people aware of this change before the ticket was sold. And if people were under the wrong impression at the time that they were buying the ticket, they should have been told at that stage, you do realize we've changed the way we're doing mm. things. So in the Consumer Protection Act, they're talking, they talk about that it's illegal not to correct a misapprehension that a buyer has when he's buying something like a ticket or goods yeah. or whatever the case mm. might be. So after 13 so, years, a consumer would have had an, a reasonable assumption that, that <clears throat> the same conditions would apply with regard to alcohol. No, exactly. And, and uh, unless they were properly written out, there was some sign somewhere which said, please note from this year, we no longer allow this. This is what's going to be happening. But that is before the tickets were sold. Final, it, 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 yeah. They can't do it thereafter. Right. Okay. Janusz, um, uh, we just got to break away for the news, and then I want to come back to you with another follow-up question about the refunds, if I may. We're also going to speak to the festival director of Rocking the Daisies, who is standing by to respond uh, on the show. Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. You can join the conversation. Right, well, let's finish up that conversation around Rocking the Daisies. We were chatting before uh, the news to Janusz Lutrek, who is a, a specialist in the Consumer Protection Act, Act, a specialist attorney of Hahn and Hahn Attorneys. Janusz, you said emphatically, you and you gave us a very good explanation as to why what's gone and is not compliant with either the CPA or simple contract law. The big question is, what uh, recourse is available for those who want a refund and have been told they can't have one? What would you advise them to do? Well, I think the simplest thing to do, uh, especially if you live in the Western Cape, would be to complain to the Western Cape Consumer Protector. It's an office within the Western Cape government. But you can only complain to the Western Cape uh, Consumer Protector, I believe, if you are resident in the Western Cape. The other alternative would be to complain to the Consumer Goods and Services Ombudsman's Office, the CGSO. Uh, They have a website. You can fill in a complaint form and they will then deal with the complaint for you further. And uh, yeah, I suppose the final one would be to sue them in the small claims court. Mm-hmm. The small claims court may, in fact, turn out to be the fastest way if, the, if you cannot make use of the services of the Western Cape Consumer Protector. Um, and, yeah, the amounts, I presume, will be under 15,000 rand, so you'll be Absolutely. able to claim for that. It may be that you even have further claims. You know, if you, for example, booked accommodation, and you now have to cancel if you're going to lose your deposit. You may even be able to sue for that. 
Most people would be camping, but yes. But still, thank Thank you you so much for for summarizing it so succinctly for us and for that very clear advice to listeners. Really do appreciate your input today. Janusz Lutrek of Hahn & Hahn Attorneys. Right, we have the Festival Director of Rocking the Daisies on the line. He's been listening in to what Janusz has just told us, and we welcome him now, George Avakian. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, having listened to what Janusz has just said to us, yeah. uh, do you concede that the change in your alcohol policy might constitute a substantial change in the conditions of the sale of your tickets? Well, look, I think there's just to take a sort of few steps back from what was said and just excuse me, I'm obviously not a lawyer. Um, festivals is what we do, you know. So just from my side, I think uh, just to clarify in terms of any fine print or anything like that to mislead, that's not something that we have done. It's not something we believe in. I think if you followed the Rocking the Daisies changes from the beginning of the year, I mean, everything from splitting our campsites this year was a massive change we had implemented where we had a massive uproar where people were like, how could you split the campsite? No festival in the country follows that. And later on uh, within the year when people saw that there were a few break-ins and so on and so forth across other festivals in the country. We got inundated with emails saying, thank you so much. We see you being proactive. You're implementing a new structure that is going to um, assist people, you know, and create a much safer environment. And, you know, all these, uh, there's a lot of different factors that come into making a move like this. You know, at the end of the day, we need to uh, control the liquor that is coming in because at the end of the day, you know, there are parents leaving uh, the kids at the festival, it's our job to keep them safe. It is our job to make sure they are looked after over this weekend. So taking the consideration of uh, not allowing alcohol, there's many different factors. How are we going to provide water? Because everything is going to be in cans this year, and aluminium. And obviously aluminium's process to recycle is far better than any plastic. And if you've been to Daisy's and you've left over the weekend, you see the plastic mess that gets left behind that we have to deal with which is still not good for no matter how you recycle it, the plastic is, the process is far worse than, for instance, the aluminium. This batch of aluminium cans that we create for the year, this will last the festival forever. But over and above that, I think the bottom line is, you know, you can't control what every single bottle every person's bringing in. And you uh, you can't name one venue or one place in this country where you're allowed to bring hardtack in very difficult you can't staff enough people to check what is actually coming in at the end of the day and you know i think at the end of the day when we look at what we've implemented we believe we've got a very reasonable alternative i mean if you look at the prices it's not like we said uh, the whole year we've been punting you can bring your alcohol and buy your tickets and then all i mean in the past 13 years we've never even put a price list up And, you know, this year it was just very, very unfortunate that it all happened so late. And, you know, five weeks before we had got the final, you know, we had water in cans. We had organized cups that are made out of aluminium. That's a world first, not... There's not a Cape Town first. There's a world first in the festival market, which we believe will change the festival scene worldwide. George, and that's you know, sorry if I can I interject to, here. Sorry, it's all very yes, noble uh, what you're describing, yes, and that yes, I, I'm we'll sure there are parents yeah. listening who would absolutely agree with you that managing the yeah. liquor, exa- for example, is is absolutely. fantastic. Thumbs up to that. It doesn't speak to the issue of why yes, it wasn't, uh, why you're not yeah. giving people the, the option to refund if they felt that they were misled. Because yes. if you were going to do all of that, surely it would have, should have been stated up front or it should have been announced that you'll start it next year uh, for the sake of those who'd already bought their tickets this year. Absolutely. So, yeah, as I mentioned, it was very unfortunate that it just happened so late. And, you know, we would never have wanted that. 
But, um, you know, when we look at the alternative that we've given people, I mean, to give you an idea, a 440 ml beer costs 14 rand 40 in a liquor store, and we're selling it for 15 rand. Okay, you know, you- yes, there are items here and there in between. But um, to, to if we've changed the experience in terms of uh, affordability, you know, I can't agree with that. So I think at the end of the day, from our side, we have consulted externally. And we've laid down everything on the table and we've just been advised to stick to our position in terms of the refunds. And, you know, at the end of the day, anyone who does want to take it further absolutely will look at everything case by case. And uh, we're happy for them to do so. You know, the, those are not our decisions to make. We've sat down, we've put our cards on the table, said this is what it is. You know, we've consulted with the liquor board, the different, all, all the many different entities that are involved in a move like this, which we believe is actually such a positive move. You know, just unfortunately, when you do have a couple of uh, disgruntled customers, it can just uh, bring quite a negative sentiment to something. George, like it's this. not it's a couple of disgruntled customers. You've just heard a lawyer stating emphatically that what you are doing is not in line with the laws of the country, the Consumer Protection Act and the contract law of the country. No, I absolutely understand. But, you know, we've also consulted um, externally, and that's not the information we've received. You know, as he mentioned, there was, you know, fine print to change contract. We didn't do absolutely any of that. We are trying to create a, uh, an incredible environment and a safe environment for everyone. And, you know, the, the reasoning behind it uh, was an extremely positive one. You know, and I understand that there are people uh, that are sort of uh, affected by it, and we completely get that. But we are just planning to create the most incredible festival in the world, and there's these important moves we need to do. And I completely, from the bottom of my heart, apologize to everyone that it was so last minute. You know, but I just don't want to go on year on year just making these changes. We've made massive changes this year, which we feel are going to carry the festival for the next couple of years. Okay. The bottom line is when someone comes intoxicated to a bar, they are not going to be served alcohol. I cannot control that when it's back in the campsite because, you know, with all due respect, I'd much rather be dealing this, with this than an issue on site with some substance that's been brought in that had not been controlled. Uh, I don't, again, th- there is absolutely nothing to say uh, that would contradict th- that very noble intention. I'm sure there are many parents listening, nodding emphatically, who would be delighted to hear that there's going to be better management of liquor on site. But Wendy, no, no, from a consumer perspective, it still doesn't solve the, the predicament of customers who were sold tickets yeah. in the guise of one However form. noble, and I have, and I have young adults, uh, children, and you go to these festivals and, and absolutely the whole environmental thing sounds wonderful, the controlling the liquor and all of that. But the fact remains that whatever, however low the markups are, there's obviously they've done their sums and it's obviously going to add considerably to the cost of the festival as a whole. And they've decided, I mean, these people obviously been before and are keen to go. They wouldn't be making such a hoo-ha if it was a tiny, insignificant amount to them. Yeah. Um, regardless of how we feel about the amount of alcohol they were planning to consume or whatever, the fact remains they made a decision to purchase based on a, an assumption that had been fact for 13 years. And only afterwards, this new um, rather radical change in policy was introduced, which gave them the right in terms of the CPA, however... There's no, there's no misinterpreting it. It gave them the right to be refunded because the terms had changed, and that is the issue here, not whether their moves were were good or were bad. Worthwhile, yes. And, and my only comment then is that um, they should um, should have done it next year, and because they did it, he's apologising because they did it 
now those who want to be refunded who should choose be not refunded. should be refunded. That's really for me the beginning and end of the of this. We've issue. got a voice note that's come in. Let's take a listen to that. Hi, Papel. So just want to get this straight. George Avakian is saying you can lawyer up. We'll wait for you. We're not going to refund your money, even though we changed the terms and conditions post-purchase. And another one? Papa, I've been going to Rocking the Daisies since 2008. I think I've only missed like one since then. Um, it's absolutely crazy to think that um, they wanted they want to stop uh, cans coming into the campsite to protect kids being dropped off by their parents when there is no rational uh, chance that the bars will stop selling booze to kids or anyone that's 18 um, just because they may look too drunk. I've been there. I've seen all sorts, all types. And uh, this year, I'm definitely boycotting uh, daisies just because, you know, it, uh, what they've gone and done is cr- taken a, not just... Um, gone and blindsided us with with this whole new no booze in the campsite policy but they've gone and destroyed a fundamental part of daisies which is hanging out with your friends around the campsite and having a few beers before heading to the stages and checking out everything granted we spend money when we when we inside you know um but that's just destroyed a huge element for me uh thanks matt in cape town matt thanks for that feedback and and that's the real nub of it uh, wendy yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I've been to, I, I go to uh, Splashy Fens, our local yeah. one, and, and have done since our kids were tiny. And, and yes, that element of having your own supply, whatever it is, your red wine or whatever, and you have free access to it in your campsite when you want it without having to go and stand in a queue. And, exactly. Yeah. So there's that. It's not just the money. There's that sort of integral element of the festival that has now unilaterally been um, removed as well. Okay. So just to repeat what Janusz, the lawyer, said to us, that A, he is of the opinion that emphatically this is not compliant with CPA or contract law. The three options you have if you wish to pursue, uh, you can lodge a complaint with the Western Cape Consumer Protector if you're a resident here in the Western Cape. You can lodge a complaint with the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud or you consider uh, taking them to the Small Claims Court because uh, as long as the amount is under 15000 15, Rand, they will hear the case, and this would generally, I think, be under that. Uh, let's take uh, one more call on Rocking the Daisies, and then we'll move into the open line segment. Sean in Durbanville, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, just my opinion uh, on Rocking the Daisies. I've been going for the last four years, and I will be going again. Um, and I don't believe what this guy is saying on, um, over there. I just believe he wants to make more money. Because at the end of the day, I've been bringing in alcohol in my car every year, and the people at the gates supposed to check for those type of items don't do a proper job um and no one's going to stop me from doing it this year um because it's so easy to bring alcohol in there he's talking about he wants to protect the kids i bet you those kids will find places in their cars to bring in alcohol and and drugs in any case because that's what happens at these festivals and i don't believe his sentiment of wanting to protect the kids and those type of things at all because it's so easy to bring alcohol in there. It's not being enforced. Sean, thanks for your call. On the SMS, somebody saying, I don't agree, ladies. If the Sevens Rugby suddenly didn't sell alcohol, would that be a contravention of the CPA? Well, if they had sold not, you a ticket... It's not about... On the, it's not about the booze. I think you're missing the point, whoever yeah. sent that. It's not actually about 
the alcohol and who is drinking it and who is buying it and how it's getting in. The issue is if you have sold somebody a ticket based on one kind of offering and you then change that offering substantially after the sale has taken place, that person is entitled to ask for a refund. Yes, in terms of the act, that is how it would work. What they're buying and the the, the actual facts of the matter are irrelevant to the the principle in in the CPA. As noble as it may be, if it is indeed the intended reality that they want to clamp down on underage drinking, I would absolutely support that ambition. But uh, and the whole uh, environmental thing, if that also, is, if, know, if that is valid. legitimately so, mm. that's, that's also fantastic. And good luck to them. But do it in an open and outright way that is done before the ticket sales begin. Yes, is ideally, the should have yeah. just waited another year. And and uh, you so, so said announced if it at this year's Daisy that from next open. year it'll be mm. X Y Z for mm. starters. Okay, some very interesting feedback there. Thanks so much. We'll keep an eye on that story. And if anybody does try and pursue uh, the refund issue, let us know how you get along. We'll be back with your open line calls to 021-446-0567. The Money Show, weekday evenings at 6. On the next Money Show, Harry Faree, the Capitec Chief Executive, huge provider of unsecured loans, taking us through financial results. Andy Golding from a company called Still Human on our Business Unusual feature. And then a guy who sparked a furious debate about the cost of local clothing, except for the gene maker, Mosala. All that coming up on the next Money Show. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on K-Talk. Join the conversation. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. The great things you do tomorrow start with the small steps you take right now. Old Mutual, do great things every day. Whether you're young at heart or live life on the go, Evergreen knows that health and security are two of life's key goals. That's why they offer healthcare and security solutions customized to help you keep living your best life, even after retirement. Their villages are secured with electric fencing, CCTV cameras, and more. They also boast fully equipped healthcare centers, a 24-hour recuperative care, and more. Experience the sense of well-being that comes with feeling secure. Visit evergreenlifestyle.co.za for more information. Evergreen Lifestyle, offering you a partnership for life. Ready to roam worry-free with Vodacom Business? Ah, the new Note 9. Nice. Calling home must be steep from overseas. No, it's just 72 cents more than the local minute rate. (sighs) My wife's a talker. Get the new Game Changer, the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 and revolutionary S Pen on a Red Value Plus plan for 1,399 Rand per month with a travel saver out of bundle rate of 20 cents per megabyte. T's and C's apply. The future is exciting. Ready? Vodacom Business. This is Hot Water Bill. He's been squeezing you for years. Don't make me come get your bank details. But now's the time to squeeze Hot Water Bill by the balls. A North Face Solar Solar Retrofit uses your standard geezer. This is the single biggest consumer of electricity in your home. Best of all, it pays for itself in just three to four years by reducing your hot water bill by at least 70%. 70%? My balls! Visit northfacesolar.co.za for more. Welcome to Wakeford's. That's a great dishwasher. I've got the same one at home. Yeah, right. Come on, I'll show you. What? Wait, hang on. Great water consumption. Oh, you were actually telling the truth. Yeah, because Wakeford's is independently owned, and we only sell what we'd want to own ourselves. We also sell this fridge. Okay, I get it. This mattress? Uh, can you take me back now? Wakeford's Home Store in Fishhook. Selling what we want and we know you'll love for 55 years. Consumer Talk. Open Line. 
Right. Um, uh, shame. Going back to our original conversation about the post office, Wendy, somebody saying, how do you get hold of them? I've emailed yeah. them. There's no reply. Nobody answers the phone. That's what do you another do? thing. So it's a double whammy of not getting the service and then not being able to actually contact the organization. And the two things often sadly go hand in hand in an, mm. in an organization because when one side goes wrong, generally it's an organizational issue and other sides of the business go wrong as well. So to answer the question, and um, sort of wincing in anticipation. But, I, I mean, I can't promise to get to everyone, but I will every few days do a little search for post office in my inbox and try and send a batch. A batch through. So yeah. if, you've, if you can send me as much detail as possible, where it was sent from, what your address is, any kind of tracking numbers, send them to me and I will send them off to the media office at the post office, who I must commend uh, are, are mostly really good and responsive. Um, so I do have that line still. Um, and I'm willing to, to, to do to what I can exercise, yeah, to just try to make and get, it work. Yes, because it's, it's a trade, it's a really horrible thing. Whether it's a personal gift or whether it's something that you've paid for, uh, you know, to not get it is just, it's, it's also not a, it says horrible things about our country. You know, let's try and get this, get this right. right. We've got, I think it's going to be another really sentimentally awful one here because Linda is on the line from Belvin. I believe it's your wedding pictures that have never oh, made no. it, Linda. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pepper, and good afternoon, Wendy. No, it was actually my nephew in uh, England got right. married 18 months ago, and we couldn't go to the wedding. And I said, please send us some photographs. Apparently, they've sent two lots, and we haven't received a- any of them. When was that? And that Sorry? How long ago were they posted? That was 18 months ago oh, he got gosh. married. And... Uh. Um, and then since then, I've had one bank statement from Joburg that was um, uh, only for April, and I received it in the end of August. And, and apart from that, I mean, I, I feel now as though I don't want them to send anything else now because stuff doesn't arrive. Years ago, they used to open the mail or, or perhaps the, the letter came unstuck or something, and then they'd stick a brown label over it and yes. say it had been opened. I and, remember that. But you, we don't even get that anymore. Linda, I, I wish I knew what to say. It's awful because, uh, I mean, it's, just, it's such a lovely way to feel connected as well to, to, the, to the event that you weren't able to be there. And uh, to think of the expense of sending it twice and not having them arrive. I mean, yeah. I would, in that situation, get them, get them um, emailed and then print them out yourself and... You know, that shouldn't have to be like that, but that's the only sort of safe way of doing it. It's I just would say. electronically now. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just circumvent the mailing altogether mm. and get them to mail those images to you, Linda, and then nice take them. Reason. Even if you take them into a Photoshop exactly. to print it for you here, yes. if you can't do it yourself at home, that's probably going to be the best way around it. Yeah. Okay. Good luck, Linda. Thank you so much. Speaking of mail being opened, Mariana and John WhatsApping uh, to say we have family in London who send gifts like clothing or shoes as birthday gifts. We've stopped doing it now, yeah. though, after a horrifying ordeal at the post office depot in Epping. Uh, their, post, their parcel arrived and uh, it was opened in front of them to view the contents. They were told they're not allowed to touch it. It was taped up with an instruction that we must provide proof that this is a gift and we're not smuggling it into the country. Uh, she says on top of all of this we told to provide the slip of the retailer as proof but there were gifts that had been sent and the parcel had arrived six months late um mariana's long and short of it is she says we now opt rather to courier door to door it's always on time there's no more high blood pressure and stress associated with it yeah okay so that is out of line we were entitled in terms of um, south african revenue service we are entitled to each receive two gifts a year and what qualifies a parcel as a gift is um, 
that it must have a value of less than 1,400 rand and obviously not have been sent to you by a company. Mm-hmm. I once had the, the situation where my sister, who's lived in Colorado for more than 20 years, she sent a gift and she they used the code CO in America for Colorado, Colorado, Colorado and they States, instructed yes. to do that. And they charged me customs and VAT because they so assumed that CO was company. Can you believe it? And I still didn't get a refund. But anyway, so, so as long as it's not more... With more the equivalent, the rand equivalent, which is getting harder and harder now, of one thousand four hundred rand, and you, you you're allowed two of those a year, and can't have perfumes and cigarettes and a few other things. But generally, so they had no right if you were within those parameters, and they had no right to then interrogate you like that um, in the post office. And if you want to send me an email about that, and it wasn't too long ago. I'd be happy to take that up because that is nonsense. I wouldn't want anyone else to be subjected to that. To that, really, the indignity of it, it as is. well. Yeah, yeah. So, Mariana, you have that option. Uh, you can send an email to consumer at nola.co.za if you would like, Wendy, to follow it up for you. It sounds like it might have been a while ago, though, because they have made a plan B by the sounds oh, of things. Okay. But perhaps uh, if you'd like to take it further, the options Just to there. find out what went on there and yeah. whether it was... Po- you know, policy or not. Yeah, and and there's obviously some kind of uh, perhaps miscommunication, yes. education of the staff and needed I at that particular many, depot. Many yeah. examples of that. Okay, let's change tack to cell phone contracts. Another old favourite, Pedri in Tableview. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So about a year ago, I took a, just over a year ago, I took out a cell phone contract with Vodacom, and um, I clearly asked that the manager himself help me from the store at Bayside Mall. Um, the manager came, he helped me. It took me about a month for me to get the cell phone contract because the, the guy was just generally useless um, to start off with. And then, but one of the questions I asked before I took out the contract is, can my contract be changed um, anyway without my permission? And he clearly instructed me, no, it cannot. Now, it's not a lot. Um, my contract is up by about 50 bucks a month. But for me, it's not, not the money value on it. It's the principle and the fact that I was never even informed. The next month that my bill went, it's just this extra amount just got deducted worth it. And when I went in and I asked about it, the, all they said to me is, well, that's our policy. You can do, there's nothing you can do. If you want to cancel your contract, you've got to pay out the 24 mm. months or you've just got to keep it and um, continue paying what you're paying now. Bye. And there, I mean, I've, I've just not really had any, so we've, we've emailed to, to them to find out about this, and they just said, well, in their contract, the T's and C's say that they can change the contract pricing as they see fit. Was this just uh, – was this – Everybody on your contract was suddenly made to pay 50 rand more, or was it just something yes, – no, how did they no, justify it? Is, it is, it is – um, me and my girlfriend took our, took our contract uh, more or less at the same time. And for both of us, this, this happened. And there are quite a couple of other people that's gone through exactly the same okay. thing, where our contract improved. So I got an email that, or a message that said that um, our contract will change with 1%. That was for the, on the, on the, the VAT. Yeah. That, that, that I've got no, no problem with. But the, the month after that had changed, on top of the 1%, I now got pay. I had to suddenly pay an additional amount on it, mm-hmm. and then there's nothing that you can do about it. Every time you talk to them, they just say, well, this is part of the contract. I mean, there, there are certain documents on, on, on my girlfriend's contract that she never even received. And then the guy, who then when she asked for a copy of it, all they did was everywhere she had to sign. They just made an X and said, well, there, there's a proof that you had signed. She had never even seen the papers, and it was just marked by, with an X to say that she had signed it. 
Okay, I'm surprised I don't have a rash of emails about this. Mm. If it's a, a across an entire package, entire yeah. package within a network, yeah, because I've covered this before. Um, I can't remember the circumstances, but I remember having the Vodacom guy on another radio show to discuss when they did this. It's a highly contentious issue because, strictly in terms of the CPA, they can't unilaterally, you know, just as we as consumers can't unilaterally decide that we're going to pay them less. Um, and we're stuck to the two-year um, payment period unless we want to pay a big cancellation penalty. It follows then that the company, the service provider, can't then unilaterally change the terms and conditions of the contract on their side. We're back to contract law mm. here. But, you know, in reality, they just do. They just it's do. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. Yeah. And you can shame them and you can whatever, but they just do because given the millions, the numbers involved, it's it's big money. It's, yeah. I would really appreciate it. Was it Pedri? Pedri, yeah. If you could email me and just tell me which package you're on and exactly what happened and when, I'd like to find out from the network what happened there and, um, you know, get their response. Please. Okay. So, Pedri, it's consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Put Cape Talk cell phone contract change in the subject line so Wendy can keep an eye out for it and uh, perhaps we can give you some feedback uh, in an upcoming show or with a return of email. Pedri, thanks for your call. Um, Victor on the SMS line raising a topic we have spoken about before but he might not have heard the conversation. Victor short paid Telcom last month by 4 Rand 35 and this month he's been hit with an interest charge of 3 Rand 34 and he wants to know is that legal? The answer is yes, Wendy. If you short pay, you're charged interest on the whole amount. Yes, rather than just yeah. the period under consideration and it is in the terms and conditions and it is legal so unfortunately yeah don't short pay or late pay because you're going to be liable for that so you might think that you would only owe interest on the four round 35 that was owing but in fact victor you were charged on the full months uh months amount owing and that is uh the reality of it okay i think we've got one last uh, one that we can charge squeeze in no we don't it's two o'clock already sorry the time has flown away from us (laughs) wendy um and uh, i'll i'll keep the one or two WhatsApps that have just come through now and late uh, to tackle next week instead. Lovely to have you with us. Thank uh, you for lots always. of interesting content today. And Thanks. a reminder again, Wendy's email address if you'd like to contact her, consumer at nola.co.za or look for her Facebook page, Wendy Nola Consumer. It is now.